The Lord be with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew chapter 11 beginning at verse 15. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking to the crowds about John the Baptist, Jesus said, Let anyone with ears listen. To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and have revealed them to to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are heavy, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated. You might have um, heard it said, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, It's a phrase that is often used all over the place. For me, most notably, I've noticed it in Spider-Man movies and TV shows like The Big Bang Theory. But I want to tweak it a little bit and change things to, with great privilege comes great responsibility. And maybe in doing that, we've started to feel a little bit more challenged, a bit more uncomfortable in the directions uh, where we, we'd be heading with in this sermon. And the reason for going down this path today is that today in our gospel, we have a split reading. And by that, what I mean is that we have verses 15 to 19 of Matthew 11. We then miss out verses 20 to 24, and probably because we don't like them because of the judgment language, and none of us want to hear about that. And then we move to verses 25 to 30, which is about Jesus's yoke being easy and his burden light. And truth be told, I reckon I could walk into any TAB right now and I could get pretty good odds that in most Anglican churches all over the place today, most preaching will be related to those verses of verses 25 to 30. Now, why would that be the case? Well, because in preaching terms, it's a whole lot easier to preach on those five verses. It's a section of scripture that we can use to make us feel good and feel spiritual but we forget the first bit, probably because it's a bit safer to airbrush over those bits that sit more uncomfortably with us. And my suspicion is that when we do this, we do it because there's something that we don't want to hear. Uh, In this case, I think it's about Jesus calling us back to the inherent responsibility placed on all of us as people proclaiming the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, while I recognise that Jesus is talking to his contemporaries, 
we do need to understand that the living word of God is still talking to us. So let's unpack the first part of our reading. What we have here, in a sense, is a proverb alluding to village life in Jesus' day. Now, according to the customs, boys were or boys invited their friends to dance at weddings and girls sang laments at funerals and invited their friends along to mourn. It's a context that we, we certainly don't understand and is missing in our own context. But here, sounding the flute refers to the call of Jesus, who spoke of himself as a bridegroom enjoying the celebration of the wedding feast. Likewise, the singing of a dirge or lament represents John's call of repentance with all of his ascetic practices. Um, but what we, have he- what we have here are disagreeable friends who refuse to dance and refuse to mourn. These are the crowds of this generation, whatever that looks like in Jesus' time. And given it's Matthew's gospel, it's probably likely to be um, uh, Greek-speaking Jews of the day. And they have declined Jesus' festive invitation and John's penitential summons. And probably had a demon. I came and took my message to dinner parties and all sorts of places... And you glared at me with a critical eye and called me a drunk and a glutton. It seems as if nothing can please you. You don't like this option. You don't like that option. You turn your back on feasting and fasting and turn your back on God's wisdom in the messages that have come to you. But then what we do is we skip over the next uh, section of woes and judgment because that's where Jesus really gets stuck in, telling the crowds all of the consequences of the actions that they've chosen. But the question I ask is why? Why do we skip over it? And this isn't about fire and brimstone preaching. Rather, I think it's, if we're being honest with ourselves, about the reason why we are happy not to hear those sections. And yes, I know it was me, when we put all this together, who decided to not put that part of the gospel story in today. We've got a choice and we can if we want to, but I decided not to. And partly, if I'm honest, that's about taking the shorter reading for expediency. And you may well ask, well, why do that? And truth be told, it's about comfort. The comfort of knowing that I don't have to tackle difficult issues and preach on uncomfortable things. Comfort in knowing that it will keep me closer to an hour-long service. All sorts of things like that. And maybe that's part of the point here. Privilege and that can mean a whole lot of different things, can make us feel comfortable. Look at the people in our Gospel reading. These are people who had been privileged to have been uh, chosen by God as his people, and they've been privileged to see and to touch and hear the Messiah himself. But when God calls his people to repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand, and then God's hoped-for Messiah finally comes in celebration, the people opted for the comfort of how things are, how they had always been. And it's easy. All they had to do was to rationalise out John and Jesus' behaviour. That is, one was a nutter and one was a drunk and a glutton. Why on earth would anything... What, what, 
What, why on earth would we do anything they say? With all that said, maybe the scariest part in all of this, and maybe the people realised it too, is Jesus and John's call into a new relationship with God, a relationship outside that which people were used to. And the truth is, Jesus and John call us to the same thing. And that call comes in the second part of our Gospel reading today, where Jesus says, come to me. That's his invitation to all of us. And part of that invitation is to take on the yoke of Jesus, that is, to take on the call to discipleship, to look seriously at those things I've been talking about in terms of, of allegiance and what it's most vital that, and what is most vital for salvation. And they, those things were mental assent, sworn fidelity and embodied loyalty. And that will take effort. Jesus' statements about taking on his yoke isn't about effortlessness. Rather, it's about effort that is not an exhausting burden. And by that I mean that this yoke, the Lord's call to a new relationship, isn't that it makes no difference or asks nothing of us. Quite the contrary. The point is that it fits. It's the right size. It's light. So it works. It leads to God and it brings with it wholeness and peace that can be found nowhere else. To come to him is to discover that what can seem a frantic and desperate task, that is life with God, is in fact not an earned reward but a free gift. To come to him is to discover, as Paul discovered, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To come to him is to discover that the task of getting it all correct is replaced by the absolute gift of God's grace and a grateful response to that gift. Now, all the strong stuff we've been hearing over the past weeks in our readings about the cost of discipleship is still very much there, but the yoke is good to bear. It leads to life. So to put it on is to be embraced by God's mercy. To carry it is to fulfil both God's will and our own deepest humanity. We are called to this new yoke, not to a law or not to a set of rules, but to a person and a community built around that person. And this is the religious quest. The greatest journey of human existence can find its richest fulfilment and its deepest satisfaction. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.